You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode we'll be talking about Santana, Abraxas. In the room I have Rob, Hello. Ben, Hello. Adam, hey. and John. Hi. Abraxas is a second studio album by Latin rock band Santana. It was released on September 23rd, 1970 on CBS Records. The producer was Fred Catero and Carlos Santana. And the genre is Latin rock, Chicano rock, jazz fusion, psychedelic rock, and blues rock. And I'm going to read from the book. Uh, Matthew Oshinsky. In the summer of 1970, 22-year-old Carlos Santana scored two top 10 singles on a multi-platinum record, turned into a show-stopping performance before half the world at Woodstock, and earned a growing faction of devotees. Today, debut darlings are encouraged to regurgitate whatever worked the first time, but Carlos subscribed to the San Francisco freak rock scene, where musicians mined their imagination and turned whatever they discovered into rock and roll. Santana did the scene proud, crafting a sophomore record that voyaged beyond rock into jazz and salsa on the beat of a pounding Latin heart. Despite being the face of the band, Carlos and his impeccable guitar were merely components in a supremely gifted outfit. Upon the release of Abraxas, Rolling Stone opinioned that Santana might do for Latin music what Chuck Berry did for the blues when the album rode to number one on the back of the tightest grooves that the rock establishment had ever heard. It seemed that even that prediction was somewhat modest. All right, what do we think of Abraxas by Santana? This is good. <laughs> what was that, Speaker? This is good. Yeah. Yeah, this is a tight album. I really yeah. enjoyed listening to this. Yeah. I thought it opened my mind a little bit to Santana, who I've never been a fan of. Yeah. It also widened my distaste. Okay. Because oh. I thought the weak moments were very weak. and okay. um, But there were certain songs that I had not heard because I'd only heard, like, bits and pieces of him over the years, um, just having never responded to it. And there were songs that stuck out. I was like, that's a cool track. And yeah. uh, we'll get into that. But. Go ahead. I mean, what what did you think were sort of more of the weak tracks? Or were they the tracks that we've all heard before? Like, Well, so, I, I mean, I've never, I never cared for Black Magic Woman. Okay. Uh, I know you have a thing about woman songs. No, no, I just I think it, we've all kind of been collecting yeah, yeah. The, the woman song. Yeah, and there's two always, on this record. Yeah, there's two. Uh, on this there's record. two woman songs. Uh, uh, yeah, his opinion of women is a little <laughs> odd, but uh, uh, I thought I'm gonna start positive. Uh, songs I did not know before that I really liked. Uh, Samba Pati. Yeah, I thought that was. Doesn't that sound like the way that Jackson would ask you if you wanted to samba party? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, samba party. I like it. I've always liked the song Oye Como Va, and then there's one at the end. I can't remember if it was eight, eight or nine that I liked as well. That um, 
was, I thought, uh, more positive. I didn't like the opening. I thought it was kind of a nothing song. Uh, the sort of, like, mood wind chimes. Yeah, it was, that, like, like, too sort much. Sort of, like, eh. Yeah. I kind of like some of, some of that stuff in, in this era because it's kind of, like... Vibey. It's, it, yeah, it's, like, it's trying to introduce you into that sort of, like, vibe music, uh, ethereal kind of feeling sure. or something. I love Latin rhythms. So, like, yeah. in general, the more Latin he went, the more I liked it. And the less he sang, he, he sings a lot like Eric Clapton sings, I noticed. He, and he plays guitar a lot like Eric Clapton plays guitar. Well, it's actually it's, not yeah, Santana it's not. singing. Yeah. Oh, is that not him? It's yeah. Greg Rowley, the keyboardist. See, I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Greg Rowley, his singing and then, like, the song that he wrote, Mother's Daughter, or is, like, just kind of straight rocky, which is, mm. like, probably the weakest part. That I, I thought Mother's Daughter was one of the weaker songs. It was just kind of like standard yeah. 60s, 70s rock, just yeah. kind of lame. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, Santana's playing is awesome. And uh, I f- f- forget the name of his percussionist, whoever plays the timbales, is, he's tight. <laughs> yeah, the percussion is welcome. Yeah. You know, it's very, the rhythms are refreshing. Yeah, I was looking at pictures of them at this time, and it seemed like a, like a collective. Um, like he had like a real crew that was. Uh, uh, helping him. And he was so young, 22. Yeah, I was interested to hear that. That he, yeah, he he was just around the scene, I think. And yeah, he definitely kind of the guy to introduce this sort of Latin element into now the psychedelic. Had any of you guys heard the end of Black Magic Woman before listening to this record? The extended. The yeah, that we're listening to right now. Yeah, the, the part where, like, it. Uh, it, it it just goes into kind of a who breakdown, <laughs> um, which I I'd never heard before. The the radio edit always shuts oh, just, it off. Yeah, it just cuts right yeah, off. Right, and this is the best part of the song. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought it was interesting transition. I thought a lot of these songs, the way that they kind of develop, they have a really interesting structure. It's not just like a. Uh, everything's kind of trying to be like a hit single or something like that. It's a lot of jammy elements to yeah. the record, which I don't know for me. Yeah. Mm. But, it, but I get it with the... If you're playing to a Latin groove, you can jam as long that's, as you want. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of what I'm, like, torn it, on. It brings yeah. the jam in a little like, bit. I do love, I love that feeling the rhythm, feeling all the percussion. And, like, if I was performing in a group, like, that had a percussion section like that, I would probably extend some songs oh, beyond yes, their would. necessary <laughs> length. Anyway, you know, I'm just trying to be, like, objective about it. It's like, I get it. It's like, you got, you got a great rhythm, roll with it. Yeah. So I, I hear that who comparison that you're making, right? Yeah. Because that, that part just played. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah no, like they, the, big, the big drum drum rolls and like the yep. big like windmill hits. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I found it, uh, on, at least on the wiki page, this was listed as jazz rock. And coming off of that Traffic record, which was also listed as huh. jazz rock, um, I prefer this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if this is classified as, as jazz rock, then yes, this is the preferable... Jazz rock. Yeah, I don't know if I would go jazz rock. I definitely would not call it that. Maybe like it's I feel blues. like la- Latin, Latin yeah. blues, it, Latin rock. Latin that would be the blues. predominant yeah. flavor. I mean, like I think... he's using a pentatonic scale, like yeah. over and over. It's like that is the blues. But there are <laughs> some songs on here, and there's some elements of the songs that the keyboards like, can. What do you jazzy. call them? Like, I mean, they're not exactly psych rock. Like the 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 yeah. opening track, "Singing Winds," "Crying Beasts," where you sort of like set the. <laughs> the, I mean, there's a lot of wind chime. They're doing the jazz <laughs> keys. Like, there's a lot of those, like, chord shifts. Yeah. Do you consider either mambo songs or samba songs a, a, a form of jazz? Yeah, I guess that's the question. 
Yeah. Like Latin jazz? I, I could see that, Latin yeah. Because there are mambos yeah. and sambas. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's why it's... I think yeah. I was thinking it's a default. Of yeah. A different yeah. kind of jazz, but you're right. Jazz is real hard to, yeah. you know, pin down. Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd rather hear Carlos Santana do it than Steve Winwood yeah, any absolutely. day of the week. Absolutely. me of Clapton like it just done with like a Latin style especially any song with singing and the guitar together it has like there's some deliveries that are really similar uh guitar wise and vocal wise and it just comes off as like I think I think it would be I'd be stunned to find fans of one but not the other oh I'm right here yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I I adore what what this record put put into my eardrums, and I think it may just be the uh, the Latin backbeat. Just I, think that, I think it changes a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I think like the I core, it's really Carlos similar. Carlos Santana, I think, has got a lot more recognizable style as a guitar player than he does have a pretty his tone. He's, he's got a little swagger. There are some similarities, like sust- well, I don't know what you would call it, like the drawn out uh, like electric blues notes that Santana kind of like thin in. long notes. Exactly. Like I don't know. I just, to me, it sounds really similar, but yeah. But it, I wanted to hear what you think. It <laughs> does, but I feel like Santana is a lot more restrained, um, and he lets that the band kind of fill out a bit more. And I feel like Clapton a lot of times, it, it seems like he's playing over the band. It's like his show. It's kind of his show. Um, whereas I think Santana was more wanting to be a member. Everything. Yeah, he like. I had done some reading, and he had, it's like a spiritual thing. He wanted uh, everything to kind of mesh together and, and have a, a certain flow. He, you know, right now we're listening to sort of like an extended, like, uh, organ solo. And, uh, oh, yeah, come over. Yeah. And uh, so he it's like he wanted each individual member, and it does feel sometimes like Clapton is like the show. Well, he's, you know, and he's, he's like laying off or back. Yeah. yeah. I hear, I hear you there. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I do think that uh, just maybe at this point, Clapton probably was a, a little bit, I mean, better of a player, um, you know, just, just technically. In, te- te- technically, yeah, because some of the solos within Santana, who's a great guitarist, don't get me wrong, a lot of his slide work I think is better than Clapton's uh, with some of this, but a lot of that, you know, he is just like, repeating notes and kind of like having more of a groove sense other than just doing like technical. I agree with the groove comment. He's got like more um, like musicality to the solos in the sense where it's like he's doing phrases. I would rather see a Santana cover band than actual. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that with full sincerity. Wow. wow. That's pretty bold. That is a bold statement. Santana cover band. That's going to be fun. I agree that, like, yeah. I mean, like, I'm picturing having, like, a margarita or something and just, like, Elise is feeling the rhythm. This is, like, yeah. waterfront. Yeah. yeah. If we can get a There's Santana. Yeah. It's just, it's like, 
Unless you're Rob and hate the bongo player from the Budos band. Shaker Ray. Shaker Ray. Shaker Ray. You go to the Clapton show, you sit in your stuffy theater in between the other two dentists. And, 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 you know, when you Am watch, I a dentist <laughs> in this scenario? Am I always a dentist? You know, watch Noodles Clapton. It's a noble anti dentite. <laughs> Can't get some orthodontists in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they can be there. Okay. A podiatrist? I don't know. <laughs> This did reach number one, Billboard 200, on the Hot 100 in early 1971. Single back, Black Magic Woman peaked at number four. Uh, and a few months later, the reinterpretation of the Tito Puente cha-cha rhythm, Oyo Como Va, reached number 13. Both those songs were covers. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I, I've yep. never heard the Fleetwood... It's Fleetwood Mac, right? Yeah, it's yeah. early Fleetwood Macs, Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac. And I wasn't familiar with it either. It's it's got it. I I I thought that I thought that that whole like uh, that clave feel of the Santana version. I thought that that would be exclusive to the Santana version. But even the, the Fleetwood Mac version has that same like three two clave rhythm. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm much more familiar with the the classic Rumors lineup era mm-hmm. of Fleetwood Mac. But we got a lot of material. But you know the, the, those guys are good. Yeah. Mick Fleetwood's a really good drummer. Peter Green's got a cool voice. Yeah. Uh, then, oh yeah, the 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 intro to uh, to Black Magic Woman uh, is a melody uh, based on a song called Gypsy Queen by uh, Gabor Szabo uh, from '66. Oh, is and that then, a Hungarian guy? Or I don't know where he's from, but I know he wrote Gypsy Queen. In 1966, it's, it's kind of like a isn't Gabor kind of like a funky composer? I don't, I don't know his whole deal, but Jaja, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Jaja's uh, stage name. <laughs> nice, Zabo. <laughs> I did write uh, that Sia uh, Cabo number five. Mm-hmm. Sia Cabo. Yeah, it just means it's over. <laughs> that one is that was like my jam, dude. It's, next to that one, I just wrote "burning," dude. It's, yeah. it's the one that has the heaviest timbalian bass. Like it's driving. It's yeah. a, it's it's a, it's a banger. <laughs> track, uh, side two, track one. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. There's your theory. Good opener. Yeah. Uh, so Tito Puente was very into Oye, uh, their version of Oye Como Va. Mm. Very into the band. Uh, uh, the band as a concept, uh, like taking the Latin rock and putting on uh, uh, the global focus on it, or putting on like the global stage in the spotlight. Uh, Tito was on board with that movement. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I always like to hear that when you know you have a older traditionalist type character who's just like bring on this cool new interpretation. It's like, yeah, I mean. I feel, it's a nice. It's nice to have that positivity. I, I mean, like it's hard to be happens, that person sometimes. I feel like that's most respond to, uh, particularly in like jazz. Maybe. I, I feel like because it, it's exploratory. Yes, and because they, they themselves, probably feel like they were always trying to stretch. Like some people were reach. always trying to reach and stretch, and so that even if they don't know exactly how they feel about the new thing, yeah. they at least understand that. Hey, maybe they're just trying to do what I was trying to do at the time. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like you know some co- like country or something like that. I feel like a lot of those guys get real bitter about like a new interpretation. Got a black magic woman. Got a black magic woman. 
Anybody want to talk about the cover? It's yeah. amazing. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's a painting uh, called Annunciation by the artist, uh, probably not going to pronounce this right. Yeah, not either. Mati Klarwine. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much what I was going to say. Really cool painting. Very cool. Yeah, the actual uh, album isn't the full painting, so artist that did a lot of uh, other albums. He's actually known for some other albums, including... Uh, Bitches Brew. Mm. He's same, oh, yeah. yeah. He's the same yeah, artist. And he did a live evil with uh, the other Miles Davis, which is also a totally bitching cover. Like, nice. there's a lot of uh, cool stuff that he, he's done. Um, Very cool. Yeah. I, I looked him up and I started going through like a, a bit of a like a wormhole of just like looking at his art because it's, it's very, very cool. Okay. I've got the quote. Go ahead. Uh, it says, we stood before it and began to freeze inside from the exertion. We questioned the painting, berated it, made love to it, prayed to it. We called it mother. We called it whore and slut, called it our beloved, called it Abraxas. <laughs> yeah. That's Herman Hess. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So then I had to Google, okay, you called it Abraxas. Let's Google Abraxas. Yeah. That was not the, it, I did not get any, the clear cut and dry answer that I was hoping no. for. No. John, do you care to... Uh, I'll, I'll lay down as fast as I can yeah. uh, the the short explanation. So I think those of us who have heard the word Abraxas like, probably think it's one of those like cool demons, you know? And uh, that's what I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to seeing a cool demon. Uh, but no, it goes way, way deeper. So if you go way back, <laughs> there's a group of Christian mystics known as the Gnostics. And so this group of Gnostics... Uh, originally sort of had a, a, a an original deity that was really a brass sax, but they got the sax backwards because they confused the Greek sigma with xi when they were translating it to Latin, so it became a braxas. And then this deity, like almost uh, the, the god that then, you know, had Jesus come to earth and all these other things like God, God, or one of the names of God, uh, the Catholic Church said, okay, well, we can't let these Gnostic thoughts be allowed to be part of the canon, the, the canon so let's demonize this god. Yeah, you know, what and they so, always do. Flip and so, the script. Exactly, and so they turned Abraxas into a heretical idea. Yeah. And so that's where you get the, like, cool demon. <laughs> but that was, like, way, way later. That was, you know, 16th, 17th century. <laughs> I do like that uh, the... Uh, Basilidians uh, was the, the uh, Gnostic sect that... How deep did you guys go? Dude, pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> went all, all the way. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah there, there's, like, early, like, circa 200 AD uh, Gnostic sect, and their canon was that Jesus Christ was merely a benevolent ghost sent to Earth by Abraxas. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I buy it. We used to read it's in like religious yeah, studies like in college, we used to read, like, 
so many of the Gnostic texts because they're so crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just all the stuff that didn't make the Bible at the Council of Nicaea in like whatever, 364 or whatever that was. But like, yeah. it, like there's like one where Jesus is a little kid yeah. and it's all just like stuff that people made up that like they thought would be a cool way to pitch Christianity. Yeah. And, you know, like like a lot of stuff that made the Bible I mean, also... Like, there's this one as a little kid where Jesus is, like, killing animals and stuff. And then, like, bringing them back to life because it's, like, you know. And there's just so much interesting stuff in the Gnostic texts that is uh, kooky dookie. Yeah. (laughs) Kooky dookie. It's got got angsty teen Jesus and stuff. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Things that never made it, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think kooky dookie might be my new favorite way to say crazy shit. Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad you like it. We'll see. I did find out, though, that um, so Santana was kind of a young kid hanging around the scene and everything, and he got in with uh, Bill Graham, who threw all the raucous LSD parties and Fillmore and did all that. And um, he was a local, and as local as they could fill in for, like, if bands uh, missed going to uh, the Fillmore or something like that, they could fill in. So to this, he said in his autobiography, to this day, Santana is still the only band to have ever headlined the Fillmore without having a record. Wow. Like, so wow. they they headlined before they even had a single record. That's awesome. It's pretty wow. cool. Yeah. So how do we feel about it? What do you think, Rob? I'd, I'd say listen to it. Listen, I, I give it a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, listen to it. I'm also giving it a positive. I, I you know, it's, it's just, it's... Easy, easy to listen to. Uh, it's got those good Latin grooves, <coughs> got good guitar work. Sometimes a little bit more Latin jazz, sometimes a little bit more straightforward rock, but it's never bad yeah. in, in my ears. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's not my favorite. Um, I'm going to give it a positive because I do think that the Latin element brings something fresh to the genre. Um, and, you know, like there's quality musicianship. Um, it's It's a great, like, young early record uh by that standard even if it's not my favorite thing it certainly belongs in in this place yeah. you know like yeah. i mean as a unique like it's unique enough that it it should be represented so yeah. are we going to find uh carlos santana with rob thomas well, later on? i was going to talk about that yes. okay. <laughs> I, you know i, I, I would i would give it a positive and so. i think that many of us who you know we've heard the radio hits you know oye como va and black magic woman but our current flavor palette is all Rob Thomas Santana, which might have turned us off of the concept. But well, you did go, you not like the song Smooth? smooth? Hey, do, you, do you want me to tell you? No. During the, <laughs> really? No. <laughs> right, Hold on. Let me, let me go tell you the story room. here. During the rest of the 90s, Santana drifted ever close, closer to the oldie circuit, but their fortunes were revived when... Their old supporter, Clive Davis, signed the group to Artisan in 1998. Davis designed a star-studded comeback for Santana that took the form of Supernatural. In 1999, the album that exceeded any possible expectations. Thanks to the single Smooth, a song featuring Matchbox 20 singer Rob Thomas, who also co-wrote the tune, Supernatural became an international blockbuster, topping the charts throughout the world, earning a coveted diamond certification in the U.S., and winning eight Grammy records, including Record of the Year and Album of the Year. I, I tell you wow. what, after hearing Abraxas, <laughs> after hearing Abraxas, I might listen I to tell. the other You're songs joking. on Supernatural. Joking, Maybe they're right? good. 
I mean, maybe they're good. Who knows? What What was he really into at this point? Involving like molecules and God. Like he got really like he was Santana. Yes. Oh yeah, he was uh, deeply into like spirituality and like spiritual studies and, uh, and probably some crystals too. Yeah, huh? yeah, probably. <laughs> some probably think about some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. John, did I, did you smooth do stinks? Your, the breakfast rocks. Did you do your pot? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Uh, just I don't to think clarify, yeah. stinks. Well, positive. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say positive. I mean, you guys kind of described everything that I was going to say. It's it's just like a pretty cool rock album, and it's got that Latin groove, and nothing. there's nothing that's uh, bad about it. And, Clocks in yeah. at like 55 minutes, but doesn't feel like a slog. Nope. Wow, yeah. yeah. I didn't the even The groove real... changes everything. Yeah. To, yeah, to its credit, I never yeah. would have guessed it was that long. And like, I thought there was some stuff that like went on too long, but like... I didn't think it went on that long. Right. So. Yeah. No, it doesn't. That's 37 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Come on, the extended version. I did Extra listen tracks. to the extended version. There were, there were you many, many you tracks. You couldn't get enough. <laughs> well, 37, that's even better. Yeah, absolutely. Samba party? Samba party. Why not? <laughs> you guys want a samba party? <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Sid Barrett, the madcap laughs. Oh. All right, thanks, y'all. <laughs>